Hey there, parents. We've got something incredible to share with you. Have you heard about Adapted Design? They're making a real difference for families with disabled children. Absolutely. They're all about empowering you to adapt toys and products for your child's unique needs. And here's the game changer. Their how-to book, Let's Adapt for Everyone. It's a guide to DIY adaptations, helping you save big on those expensive adapted products that oftentimes break the bank. Imagine the joy of customizing toys just for your kids. Visit adapted-design.com and let's make every playtime extraordinary. That's adapted-design.com because every child deserves a world of possibilities. You're listening to the Bitching and Bolusing podcast with Courtney and Brittany. Everybody, thank you for tuning in to the Bitching and Bolusing podcast season two. <gasps> Yay! Welcome to season two. Oh my goodness. Woo-woo! So exciting. <laughs> I'm just so excited to be back. So excited. I mean, there's so much going on this season that I just, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Uh, well, I think first and foremost, we are just so super excited to have Wes on the team. Yes! Holy Such a cow. big deal. Oh my God, such a huge he deal. He is part of the Bitching and Bolusing team. Oh my God, he totally is. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wes can bitch with the best of us. Yes. And we, we're loving it. We're here for it. We're super excited for everybody else to see what he's going to bring to the table. Yes. There's really just a lot of good stuff happening with him on the team. With the second season, we've got our merch shop whole overhaul overhaul all new designs all new designs Uh, we've got some really awesome stuff up there we got youtube going we've got so much going on i mean so much more i don't even want to spoil it i know so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep a little bit of it in my back pocket (laughs) (laughs) for a later discussion we have been busy yeah we have been really really busy and We've got some amazing guests coming on this season, which also deviates us a little bit. Me and Britt were having this discussion recently, and we wanted to preface the season a little bit about our guests, because I think sometimes having guests can muddy the waters as to what people may think about as what's our own personal opinions. Mm -hmm. And we want to talk about the fact that having some guests may be controversial, having some guests may bring up topics or they may say things or have their own perspectives that doesn't 100% align with what me and Brittany believe or feel or perceive. And we just want to preface this season that, yeah, sometimes we – You know, all seasons for that matter. Sometimes we'll have guests that we think the topic is more important than not how they come off. Yeah, or like not talking about it. We may not 100% agree with what is being said, but the topic at hand and the topic of the episode that we may be discussing with a guest is more important and there's a bigger picture. And, you know, there's some level of, you know, almost documentarian, I would say, because we don't want to censor people. Yeah. Like, I I don't think we should be avoiding topics simply because somebody who's discussing it may come off a certain way. Yeah, and I think that it's also important to note that Courtney and I talk a lot about how a lot of the topics we discuss 
need to be discussed and we're not not gonna discuss it just to keep like the parenting community happy and comfortable right and so I think that that's kind of like we have to feel that too right so like we have guests on that may have discussions with us that maybe make us think and self-reflect and and you know like and that's where listen we're all along for the ride together because <laughs> yeah. and we want diversity. Yeah. Like we want we don't want it to just be, you know, a vacuum chamber of me and Brittany. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. We're not we're not trying to do that at all. The world is filled with a range of individuals mm-hmm. and I think that it's important for when we do have guests, which the majority of our show right now is not filled with guests, right. but when we do have guests, we want a range of diversity. We do not want people to just come on here to toot our horns or vice versa. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about a lot of hard things, and sometimes it gets a little messy having guests, but we want you guys to keep an open mind and remember that just because we're having a guest doesn't mean we 100% agree with that person Mm -hmm. and that's okay yeah and then (laughs) you know you guys can can make your own decisions too yeah exactly it's really about just us presenting topics and us presenting different point of view and if you agree or don't agree that that's up to each individual person. Yeah, we have plenty of people who don't agree with us, and we're okay I mean, with that. <laughs> you know? I mean, <laughs> we are not everybody's cup of tea. We understand that. And, you know, yes, we all just go our separate ways. <laughs> yes, it doesn't need to be, you know, I guess more than anything, I'd hate for somebody to like be like, I didn't like that episode with that guest. Like, I'm cutting all of you off. Like, yeah. Just remember, we're we're here to put out different point of views just as much as as anything else that we're doing. So and keep we an like open to mind. be challenged too. Oh hell yeah, yeah, hell right? yeah, exactly. I like challenging myself. Yeah, Courtney and I <laughs> challenge each other constantly. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. So you know, now that we kind of got all that. Welcome to season two stuff out there. Welcome to season two. Welcome and to this season is two. this is episode number one of season two. Today we're going to bitch about uh, special education. Mm. Not necessarily special education in a general sense. I would say it's more inclusive education and this 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 kind of resistance to it. I think it's inclusive education and I think it's inclusiveness as a whole, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's kind of like outside of the education yeah. department. Yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit of education, a little bit of not, okay? Uh, we're going to have it all today. Uh, so let's do some bitching. If we're going to at least start with the idea of discussing inclusive education aspect, right? God, inclusive education is so... So complex and so goddamn infuriating. Oh, and like gross and messy. Oh, my and God. Like, I can't ugh. stand it. Right. Like when, <laughs> when I tell you the bane of my existence is like dealing with schools, <sighs> IEPs, like I, I, if there was one thing I could just fucking do without. I swear to God that would be on the top of the list. Which is like crazy because our kids are like new 
yeah. the whole school thing, right? Like, I know. So we I've not been even doing been this. doing this very long. I know. And yeah. I already and don't want already it. like, oh, my God, we're done. <laughs> like, holy shit. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in pre-K four here. Like, I've yeah. only been doing it, like, a full year. Yeah. And, and I am I am done. Done. <laughs> I'm so done. done with it. I am so over it. I'm so over with just advocating the most basic, simple things. And just to, just to give a little bit of an idea of the challenges that I'm currently facing with it and what I've been advocating for in, in regards to Lino and his schooling experiences, Lino goes to a like a specialized school. So in Lino's case, I've come to this sort of realization because I think at the beginning when I sent Lino to school a lot of it was so much anxiety about like detaching from Lino like putting Lino out there without having his primary caregivers like that was Mm -hmm. really fucking scary and I think that applies to all children right like I think I'm gonna equally go through the same thing when I do this with Luca like when you when you have that initial sending away it just is riddled with so much anxiety and then you add on the medical complexities are terrifying you know I would worry about seizures I would worry about all these things that I was just like but he needs his mom there because who wouldn't want their mom if you were having something medically happen to you like you would want or or your dad like you would want your parent right yeah so there was so much anxiety about that so when we initially started this whole going to school thing we were just like okay the district placed him out of district to go in a specialized school. And I almost felt safe with it. Yeah. You know what? This makes me feel so much better. Yep. (laughs) Because he's going to have his own nurse. Plus there's two nurses on site. Plus every adult in that building is going to have some experience on some level with some of his medical conditions or all of his medical conditions. Mm -hmm. And they're going to know how to interact with him. They're going to know how to help him excel like it, I really I rationalized ev- everything I could about this whole situation and it made me feel so much better about it I was just like yeah awesome like this is this is the best thing I could do for Lino and we're a year in now and now it's at the point where I am questioning that because mm-hmm. I have come to this realization of segregation is not equality Mm -hmm. and I've said this before in regards to his schooling experience because how is it inclusive education if he's not included Mm -hmm. and I'm dead ass serious with that question (laughs) like I I, I don't understand that concept and this is not even there's even more levels this is just our personal experience like Lino is completely not included included at all mm-hmm. if you really want to look at it mm-hmm. realistically <laughs> and, and it's it's like crazy because I remember you and I having way back when these these discussions and I remember you like really kind of struggling because and, and it's so funny because we were opposite because you really wanted Lino to go to public school oh my god initially yeah, yeah. I <laughs> really wanted Cyrus to go to a specialized yes. school and like, and it's so funny that we, because you were like talking to me, and I'm like, oh, girl, that's like, <laughs> that's what we I know, you were like, wow, yeah. you're like, can we do that? I like, know. like, we were really trying to like encourage our district, like, you can't meet his needs. Come on, like, yeah, ship him up, right? And and so there was like this whole for us, and I think that this is where it's really tough for parents because 
The reality for us is that a specialized school is going to be significantly more equipped to handle children like ours with higher needs, right? Like yeah. that's that they're just going to be equipped. They've done it. it they've yeah. been doing I, I it. Would, like, yeah, I will never deny that. Like yeah, for sure. Like, they've got, the, like you said, like the nursing staff. They probably have like equipment clinics that, you know, like and yeah. they, they probably have better equipment there. And, and you know, like they probably have better funding and, and all this. And so like there's that's where like this like push and pull is really tough. Because it's really tough. For me, I was like, well, yeah, obviously I want Cyrus to fucking go to a specialized school because the one that we have, like, they have fucking, like, a pool for, like, aqua therapy. Like, that's yeah. amazing. Like, of <laughs> yeah. course I want him to do that. Like, like they have speech therapists that are, like, they know their shit about AAC. Like, of yeah. course I want him to be exposed to that, right? But then there's, like, that reality of, like, well, he's going to be surrounded by all other children that have disabilities. And so this is where it's tough because <laughs> there really needs to be that balance of like your child really doesn't shouldn't necessarily be the only disabled person in the room all the time. But there's also like there needs to be that interaction with other disabled kids. But when it's exclusively only other disabled kids, like they're missing out on a whole aspect of society that they're going to age into. Like they're not coming out of school, you know, for the most part, like they're going to interact with society. Like, I'm sorry, it's just how it is. They go to a doctor's appointment. Guess what? Like the whole staff at the doctor's appointment's not disabled. You know what I mean? And, And that's. It's not realistic. It's not realistic. Like when you think about it's the opposite end of the extreme, right? Like we don't want our disabled children to just be thrown into general population and have no support for any of their needs, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's that's a fucking nightmare. That's literally what my nightmares are made out of. It's <laughs> yeah. like Lino just stuck in a classroom and nobody's paying attention to him, yeah. right? Like that's literally a nightmare. But on the other end, I the extreme of the opposite is also kind of a nightmare yeah. is not having him have a realistic experience of school number 1 right mm-hmm. because when i think about what school was like for me i don't expect it to look the same for lino but the experiences of it i would want that still for him i would want him to have friends of all different varying abilities abilities yeah. i would of all different cultures of everything like i i want that diversity for him because that's what I was able to experience. Why can't he experience it? I want him to have that socialization. Mm-hmm. And I want school to prepare him the same way school prepared me. And I've had this discussion with you, Brittany, because this was my big thing in the beginning about why I always kind of wanted him in public school was the concept of how am I going to teach him how to advocate for himself in society if he doesn't experience the injustices of yeah, society? I know. And that's so tough. And that is not to say that I want him to experience these injustices or that I want him to suffer in any way. But if he does not get to see me model advocating for his rights and for himself, how is he going to learn that? He can't learn that if he's in a bubble. Even then in a specialized school, his needs are are not always met. And I'm still advocating there too, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm not saying you go into specialized school and it's just fucking perfect. 
Yeah. Advocacy is always ever present, especially in, in the school system. But if, if he's always surrounded like, oh, no matter what situation I'm in, I have all the equipment I need. I have all the access I need. He's not going to realize that the world is actually not like that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not fucking like that. No, it's not. This is where it's so tough, right? Because I see I see both polar opposites within the parenting community. Yeah. And it's really difficult because there are pros and cons to each side, right? Of course, and so like 100%. One thing that I'm seeing now, right, because we have made a huge shift, especially within, like, the education system, to try to shift to, like, inclusive classrooms. But that can be really fucking tricky because now you have a public school system, right? And and, and I've heard from therapists, uh, one of Cyrus's early intervention uh, therapists told me, she was like, these teachers are not fucking equipped. Like, yeah. they're now doing inclusive classrooms in public school. She's like, and then you sit there and you have 10 kids with disabilities in one classroom that, like, that there's maybe one aide, yeah. you know? Like, like they're not equipped to handle that. So, so there's yeah. that, right? But then I'm seeing the other end of things where parents are hyper-focusing on inclusivity, while excluding the disabled community. Oh my God, yes. And that's like, that's really tough because it goes back to me saying like, your kid should not be the only disabled kid in the room in every situation. And a lot of times parents are putting their kid as the only disabled kid at the table. (laughs) And like, and that's really not okay either because these children need to be exposed to peers of all abilities, like you said. So it's like it's so hard to find that balance and you know I I really I really think parents need to sit there and say okay if I send my kid to to, you know mainstream school what's that look like for them? Are there other disabled children in their class? If not like what is their exposure to other disabled kids? Are they going to be doing you know services with them during you know the school day where they are exposed to other disabled children? Are they going to be able to foster relationships with other disabled children? And if so how is that going to be encouraged for them within the school setting? Yeah. If that is not going to be encouraged for them within the school setting, if there's no possibility of that happening, of them really developing genuine relationships, how can I then foster that outside of school? That might look like adaptive sports, you know? Before Cyrus's OT had left the clinic that he's at, like, we would co-treat with another family. It turned into a play play date for Cyrus, you know? And that was, like, a huge deal for him, you know? He, He really loved that because... I think that there, you know, might be one other kid in his class that has an IEP, maybe two. I'm not sure. There may be more, but I do know that there is not another child in his class whose needs are as great as Cyrus's. Yeah. And so that's tough. You know, like he he really needs to interact with peers that do have similar needs like him, do have similar disabilities like him that can relate to things, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, you want both. You really you want do want both. both. And it's really hard because I also, I want to say, like, I'm not hating on specialized schools. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think they should exist. 
I would not say really anything bad about the school Lino's in. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't have an issue with the school. I have an issue with the societal concept of every disabled person should be segregated mm-hmm. because it's going to suit their needs better. I think that is problematic because I don't think that's 100% true. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're touching on because there, you really don't want either end of the extremes, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want completely no exposure to disabled kids. You also don't want overexposure to disabled kids and no exposure to able kids. But <laughs> you, you also don't want your kid to be brought to the table as a teachable moment for non-disabled 100%. kids. 100%. Right? Mm. A lot of it comes down to changing the school system or trying to find the right choice for your own disabled child is really putting more work on you mm. to advocate, right? Because as a parent, you have to advocate for your child in the schools, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what we have to do because they're children. And you always hope that schools are doing the best and the best intentions, but schools are schools and people are people. And there's always something, you know, <laughs> like it's just the truth, right? And there is money. There's yeah. all that so there, money. You, even, <laughs> even with your non-disabled children, you advocate in your schools, right? Yeah. It, it's definitely different. And maybe they're not like these deeply rooted social issues that you're advocating for, but you're advocating for all your children in school if they're in school. Right, right. And when there is disability involved, there's just more advocating because you will have to do more work. That's just the truth. Currently, Lino's in a specialized school and separated, and I'm constantly advocating, well, when's there an event where the schools are mixed? Because I know that his school does that. So like, I'm constantly advocating even now for that. And then I'm going to have to do the same if he does ever end up in like our local public school. Like, it's just the advocacy is never going to end. And I think it's a hot mess because you really are trying to balance so much shit. I certainly don't encourage people to just put their kid in like a local public school if there is no intention for that school to participate in trying to have your child be included and to help advocate for, for their needs. And if you're not going to take part in some serious advocacy. Don't do it because then your child is going to end up sitting in the back of a classroom and nobody's paying attention to them. Yeah, and I think that advocacy is just going to look a lot different for each school system. Oh, God, yes. And every school, not even just the school system. Every school is going to be so individualized as to how they handle your child or your case or your situation. Like, we've been very fortunate. We started having discussions about transitioning, you know, and and our district has been really, really open to discussions. So we've been fortunate. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know what it's going to ultimately look like, but we have begun those discussions. But I'm sure I am without a doubt positive that there are other schools and other districts that if I propose this, it would not go the way that it's currently going. Mm-hmm. It would mm-hmm. be just a blockade of, no, we, we can't handle that. We, we can't do this. I think they're better suited here. This, 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 and the other thing. Inclusive education, again, is just, it's such a challenge. And as parents, I swear we are just so fucking unprepared for this shit. 
oh god (laughs) i have told how many times have i told you like i'm so i feel so inadequate yeah there has never been something in my life that has made me feel more inadequate and i mean that seriously complete overwhelm oh my god like when it came to medical needs when it came like using a g-tube yeah there was this feeling of like oh i don't know how but i never felt so inadequate in my entire life like I feel so ignorant I feel like I don't understand I and I feel like I am constantly challenged when it comes to it and I think that the the huge issue for that is because we are so fucking out of the loop of what happens in those buildings right you have your IEP meeting you sign off on it everyone's on the same page okay I don't fucking know like unless Cyrus's nurse tells me what he did during the day like I don't fucking know get yourself a good nurse (laughs) yeah like I have no idea like I I have a little journal that like she writes in to tell like recap the day I have papers that each therapist has to fill out and, and his teacher and all that but like Cyrus can't just come home and be like, oh, we sang this song today. And we did and, and yeah. you're so far out of the loop. Like it's to the point where I don't know the communication that goes on between each therapist. Now oh. think about that. Because I take Cyrus to outpatient services. We know everything with all the other therapists. Everything. I know. And like and they all communicate together and they're all on the same page and then they communicate with me and they're like, Oh, I was talking to so and so. We're gonna do this together. And, I have no fucking no idea. clue what no goes idea. in. So you can read every goddamn IEP book that's out there. You can hire every fucking advocate that's out there. You can do all of the fucking things. But unless you are a fly in the wall in your kid's classroom, you're not going to fucking know. And that's why it's so overwhelming. Because I can have every single person in that building say, yes, his yeah. needs are being met. I don't fucking know that. Nope. I'm not there. I can't see that. I nope. just have to go off of what people tell me. And guess what? Non-disabled people telling me that my kids are being met doesn't really make me feel like my kids are necessarily being met. <laughs> Does not make me feel good at all. <laughs> no, exactly. No, and and there's so many families that can't even get like a one-on-one, whether that's a one-on-one aide yes. or a one-on-one nurse. And I feel like it's even sadder that we feel we need a one-on-one because that's literally like if you have a good one-on-one, they're almost like your ears. <laughs> they are. The yes. Your ears and your eyes and your ears. You know, and it's like, I feel comfortable in sending Lino to school because of his nurse. 100%. And I am pretty sure that's why Cyrus feels comfortable going. Yes. Like without her, and we've had um, other nurses, and I got to tell you, without, yeah, without his, his nurse. I, I don't know how I feel I about all this. I don't know what I would do. I know. I beg. I beg. So every single day, I'm like, please don't fucking go anywhere. <laughs> like, please, please follow this kid until he graduates. <laughs> or just his whole life. I don't know. Maybe yeah, his like, whole oh, life. Just, I don't know. Just, just, yeah. it, it's really true. And I think that, that that says so much. Because think about that if you have non-disabled children – Think about that. You send right. your child to school and you generally feel comfortable. Well, and they can tell you. I mean, for yeah. the most part, they can tell you, right? They can say, like, 
this is what I did today. This, oh, Johnny called me this name. And you'd be like, well, I will fuck Johnny's parents up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but you <laughs> you also feel like generally their needs were just being met, right? Yeah. Like they're, they're just going to school and they're just getting everything they need, whether that's, yeah. uh, you know, educationally, whether that's socially, whether that's whatever. You know, like you're just – you're. You just feel comfortable. Everybody sends their kids to school and there's really no thought about it. Like, yeah, awful things sometimes happen and sometimes needs aren't being met. And I'm sure that's the case. But generally, you send your children off to school and it's like, oh, well, now they're at school. And and you just kind of feel comfortable. Yeah. When it comes to disabled children and their parents and their caregivers, that is not the case at all. Ever. Name me one person who's ever just been like, yes, here's my disabled child and no. felt comfortable. Yeah. Absolutely not. There, there's so much shit that goes into it. And and that's where that also that inadequacy comes into it because it's just like, holy f- fucking shit. Like, well, I never thought I would have to worry about all this shit. But that this is a deep rooted societal problem. How inclusive education is is viewed and how, how even the laws yeah. are in place for it are in many ways – not creating inclusivity. No. Well, because that would cost more money. <laughs> but okay, but but here's like yeah. Money I, is a very big concern. <laughs> yeah. And here's the other thing is like why why Courtney and I are also touching on the whole like let your child foster relationships with other disabled kids, right? Because you can send a non-disabled child to school. And like Courtney said, like for the most part, needs are being met. But also these children are able to meet their needs to some extent on their own. And yeah. a lot of that is socially, right? Yeah, like yeah. socially they can interact, you know, similarly with their peers. Our kids aren't necessarily able to do that. And and like, you know, with Lino, I don't know if Lino is similar to Cyrus, but Cyrus has like a little bit of a delay when he responds to questions and answers and yeah um sometimes he won't use his AAC device at all but when he doesn't I always try to tell people like we have the hand trick like this hand means yes this hand means no and give him a minute you know yeah and kids don't have that patience at the end of the day so like their kids aren't necessarily gonna sit there and be like okay I'll wait for you to answer me like kids are just kids they just don't have that attention span as an example like our children can't necessarily say like, hey, I missed out on this or hey, I wish I had more time with this friend. And one thing that we just encountered with Cyrus and and I wouldn't know unless his nurse was telling me <laughs> is that Cyrus has been having increased breath holding spells at school. And like it was going on every day. Like she would be like, he had another one. He was really upset today. And... I was the only one that really put the pieces together. And I asked him. And this is what's so frustrating is that I asked him. It really didn't take much. And I said, hey, Cyrus, I know you're having a hard time at school. Like, do you just not want to do therapy? Yes or no? He said no. And then I was like, are you being taken out of class for therapy? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, do you want to stay in class with your friends? Are you sad that you're having to leave your friends? Yes or no? Yes. He's upset that he's leaving his... That was it. I had a yes. whole fucking conversation with my non-speaking child about Three why questions. he's fucking upset Three school. questions and you got, you got the whole answer. <laughs> that was it. I then went back to school and I said, hey, listen, let's try a few months of him doing his sessions in class minus speech. Like speech, he should still get pulled out half the time, you know, to to focus. Because that's a lot, you know, like that's there's a lot of distractions. Yeah. This kid has not had a breath holding spell. Yeah. 
Brittany, you're going to get the challenge that my kid can't verbalize or use AAC or say anything. Mm-hmm. And to that we say, <laughs> perhaps then just troubleshoot. Perhaps yes! then just think about what could my child be upset about. At the exactly. moment, my child is getting upset. Exactly. What could it be? So i.e., for example, from my perspective, it is way more difficult for Lino to to communicate those sort of things very specifically. Mm-hmm. He, he struggles a lot. Mm-hmm. On a lot of things, he's bing, bang, boom. He will let you know immediately. But it is inconsistent mm. as to how accurately he uses it. And that is because there's just varying degrees, right? There's there's varying things going on in that day, in that moment, how he's feeling, how exhausted he is. Exhaustion yeah. is, mm. is is a lot of it. Mm-hmm. If he's really tired. Constipation. Him, yes. I tell you, man. And I got to tell you, exhaustion is probably our biggest devil because when he's tired, it's just hard for him to do anything. Yeah. Like it really is. So from that perspective, sometimes it's just hard to get answers out of uh, out of him. And I'm sure there's parents, I'm sure you feel that way sometimes with Cyrus. And I'm sure there's that parents out there that feel that too, that it, it sometimes is not as easy as just asking my kid questions and getting the answers. And that's where you just have to troubleshoot. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to be like, well, let's try this. Mm-hmm. Give it a week or two. If it doesn't work, let's try something else. Yeah. You know, uh, bounce ideas off people. I even sometimes I bounce ideas off Brittany. I'll bounce I- ideas off Lino's school team. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. what do you think about this? Like, maybe mm-hmm. we could try this. Maybe just try it for a week. Try this. I'm bouncing ideas off all the time. And yes, a lot of it, especially right now, and I feel in those early years when you first start sending your child to school, it, there's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Because they're trying to find their footing in a completely different environment and you're trying to find your footing how to assist them and how to support them when they're not with you. Yeah. There's a lot of trial and error. To some extent, you can't necessarily blame the situation, right? Because like Cyrus's nurse knows him so well. But that's because he is the only child she has to focus on. He is the yes. only child she's with. She's not paying attention to anyone else. She's exactly. paying attention yeah. She like, let me tell you what, she has developed <laughs> like like the same understanding to the level that I understand Cyrus. Like oh, it will for be sure. to the Yeah, it'll be <laughs> I to have the, the point, same experiences. <laughs> yeah, and it's to the point where like Cyrus will look at her and that's all he has to do. And she'll be yeah. like, Yep, nope, okay, we'll be done with this. You know? <laughs> and and you can't blame anyone else for not doing that because like the teachers, the therapists, all like they have they have so much going on that they have to deal with you know because even the teachers like yes the teachers see them the majority of the time but they're still seeing them a small amount of time because the kids are constantly doing other stuff whether they're in music class whether they're in gym class whether they're over here they're doing that and they have to focus on other kids and other tasks and other things like yeah i mean when you have a one-on-one that yeah that focus is so specific but that and so this is where it can become extraordinarily frustrating, right? Because you have one person in that building yeah. that fully understands your child's capabilities almost to the point that you do as a parent, right? And so you have this one person that can vouch for you. You then have a whole slew of other people that will confront you and say, your child can't do this. We can't do that. They're, they're not they're not meeting these goals because they're not able to. And, and like, and it's so it's fucking so frustrating. frustrating. It's so frustrating because the amount of time, like, I remember reading Cyrus's goals 
and I hate goals, but I, but they're like, they're, ne- you know, necessary evil type of thing. And I was like, yeah. what the fuck are these? Like, he's already <laughs> doing all of this shit. And then you run into this situation, like Cyrus and Lino, where these sassy little boys will not do something for the sake of not doing it. Oh, you know, like, God, like how yes. many times, oh my God, fuck Cyrus. <laughs> the stories I get of oh Lino actively not doing something simply because he's asked to do it. <laughs> yes, yes. Cyrus too, like, they are so fucking, and, and like, and Lino and Cyrus are very similar in the fact that, like, Cyrus will not do something because he knows if he doesn't do something, people will assume he can't do something. And it's so almost he gets easier. out of it. Yeah. He gets out of it. It's almost easier. It's and then he's like, bitch, to... make me. You can't. <laughs> like, I'm telling you. Like, this this kid has figured out the fucking system. <laughs> you know, they're always underestimated, Brit. They really mm-hmm. are because they they're way better at understanding and manipulating than I am. Yes, <laughs> like I'm yes. not even kidding. They're such typical toddlers from that perspective. Oh the gosh. way they manipulate, oh yeah, my, dude. Yes, Cyrus will do it in physical therapy. He will just be like, "I am not going to turn my body on, and you are oh not going to fucking make me, and we're just <gasps> going to snuggle this whole session." So this is my favorite story ever. Is Lido's old PT at school last year? She used to do an exercise where she would try to initiate assisted transfers from his wheelchair. And she'd be like, okay, Lino, on the count of three, you're going to use your legs. And Lino would bust out fucking laughing. Yeah. He would just be like, ha, 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 belly laughs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's because this kid's like, fuck you, I ain't got to. <laughs> you're still mm-hmm. going to pick me up. Yep. Oh, Feisty, yeah. Feisty buggers. They, they are, are feisty, feisty buggers. buggers. They are feisty. And then you sit there and, like, you know that, I know that, the nurses, one-on-ones know that, right? And then you hear other people that are, like... Always underestimated. Always. Always underestimated. That's one of the biggest issues as well with inclusive education is Mm -hmm. the stigmas and the underestimation, the the preconception, right? Mm -hmm. We also, we've touched on this in the fact of, like, how parents use social media to portray or, or... show things about their kids and how that can create stigmas Mm. to people who may work with them as well. Yeah, yes. There's a lot of preconceptions that uh, as parents we're we're constantly fighting. And it follows you. I mean, that happened. We had had a listener reach out to us and and that happened to uh, a child that she knows where mom, dad posted a not so great picture and content of their child, when he was much younger, all to raise awareness, and, and he's now much older, and uh, his non-disabled peers, their parents found the that content, and, yeah. uh, you know, and that can lead to bullying. Yeah, that all happened in a school setting, that particular situation, and yes, it, it it's... Creates stigmas, bias, like... All yeah. of it. Yeah, like, I don't know the extent of that particular situation. We only got a glimpse of it from a listener that kind of gave us a little bit of insight on it, but... There could easily be so many issues with that, you know, because the there is this element that we have to realize that especially as they get older and especially when social media starts to become in the picture of, you know, preteens and teens in school, that is going to change the whole landscape. Mm-hmm. for these kids but it also does apply to even the educators and the therapists we have therapists 
like outpatient therapists that follow us on social media mm-hmm. for sure like i know that and mm-hmm. you you do have to think about that because if you're publicly putting out all this information you mm-hmm. may be doing the opposite of creating an inclusive environment because you are going to create a bias or preconception or i mean so many other things and yeah bullying bullying is a sh- is shit that i'm fucking terrified of yeah and i and i think that that's why all of this kind of goes back to parents talking about you know inclusivity and not fostering what true inclusivity looks like right or yes. inclusion looks like like they're they're not necessarily fostering I get it. Like, parents are fucking working their tails off to have yeah. their kids included in school settings, outside of school settings, this and that. But then not even realizing, wait a minute, my kid has no disabled friends. <laughs> yeah. Where, right? where's, where's their community? Yeah. Because the, their community does exist. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and this also harkens to the internalized ableism. Mm-hmm. kind of argument too mm-hmm. because we're almost creating this narrative that they need to be included with non-disabled I know individuals at yeah. all points and forever and always and yeah. that's not the point it, it really is more just having them be able to participate in everything else just like anybody else I love the fact that Lino is surrounded by disabled children and in the school he's in. I do love that because Lino gets to see that, yes, there are other people like him Mm -hmm. because he doesn't often get to see that. No, I know. Yeah. Yep. You have the other side of the coin that's a lot of times for children like ours, right? We are their lifeline almost to their friendships, right and yeah. and how many times do you and, and, and here's the thing i am like as introverted as they come i don't want i go to pick up and i'm like <laughs> nobody look at me i do not exist the only person i talk with is a grandmother like she's my people that's it i, t- I i'm like super chummy with one of the girl's grandmothers and like we sit and we chat and like you know and cyrus is actually really good friends with her in school with the the little girl in school like she's one of his best friends but like outside of that i'm like i don't want to fucking talk to anybody (laughs) but i also am getting to the point of realizing i'm gonna have to talk to parents you are you You know because like i'm gonna have to be the one that's like you know if cyrus asks like hey can i see my friend like <laughs> i'm gonna I have to be the one to like uh. i know, you know? <laughs> it's like it's like forcing me to be an extrovert and i'm like no i know and, 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 you, and you think about that and i have dropped the ball so many times with helping cyrus maintain friendships and, and i know like you know he's only in in preschool part-time and like that's gonna look a lot different once he's in school full-time and like he's got his because you know a lot of the class that he's with now like they're not going with him to kindergarten they're gonna stay back and I, and all, so like it's gonna look a little different next year i have dropped the ball so many times on like helping this kid maintain certain friendships outside of school therapy all that like and a lot of that is like one i'm overwhelmed <laughs> and i just don't have time <laughs> two i'm an introvert i don't want to fucking talk to anybody you yep. know and, and like there that's a lot but like whether it's a disabled peer or a non-disabled peer like that a lot of that maintaining 
that friendship falls on parents. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> let's add one more fucking scoop to the plate. But like, it's really, it's challenging. We have to realize that like, we are that lifeline and, and we have to do it for the benefit of our kid because it, we can't just help develop these relationships for the benefit of us because that happens a lot, right? Like yeah. the parents, oh, I'm in the parenting community and I really like this mom and this and that. And then our kids interact. And yeah. like, if we're looking for our own community as parents, to feel a sense of belonging we have to foster that for our kids without the direct benefit of us you know yeah, like no yeah I, I think it can be tricky sometimes but I think I think you're right in the sense that that shouldn't that should never be the primary focus when it comes to your children's socialization and I don't even necessarily know that that is the primary focus yeah. I think it just like naturally falls into place that like as parents with disabled kids we find our community our community also has disabled kids and then the relationships can build from that I'm saying it's like the next step even beyond that you're not looking for parents necessary you're looking for other kids for your yeah. kid to play with you know what I mean like get yeah. them involved in adaptive sports get them involved into like adaptive you know outside of school things you know there's sports there's music stuff there's I mean gosh the, the, you found one that was like a dance class right like I remember you sent it to me and you're like we should do this <laughs> and I was like oh my god this sounds like I cannot be an introvert <laughs> I don't want to do this but I will for my kid and then that fell through but but, like, there's so many things that our kids can participate in with other disabled kids. There's so many things they can participate in with non-disabled kids. And, yeah, like, fostering those relationships can be really tough. It can be. I mean, I think I struggle with the same exact thing. So I, I totally get it. Like, I, I personally would rather not socialize. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, like, I know that for both my children, it is – to the benefit of them not for me. so I have but to force that but it's so that. hard I know yeah I have to so force hard. it I have to force to push myself out of that comfort zone I guess if if we're going to talk about takeaways from this episode is inclusive education in the school system is complicated it needs an overhaul we need to advocate for for a lot of changes it involves a lot of advocacy on the part of parents for sure, but you have to look at your child and see what their needs are, see what, what suits them better because there's certainly, there's certainly children that will thrive and have a better schooling experience being in a specialized school versus a public school. So it's, it's, it's important to recognize that. And then there are some that thrive in a mainstream school. Exactly. And and it's it's tricky because it's hard to try not to impose your own wants and desires. There is no right or wrong answer here. There really isn't. This conversation is meant to just challenge the ideas of what to just simply accept, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're so quick to just accept it. And mm-hmm. and I think that's dangerous. And and I think if we're going to really foster inclusivity, we have to think about it from so many different angles like you have to think about are you excluding them then from their own community Mm -hmm. of disabled individuals there's a lot of stuff here and it's okay to feel a little lost in it all Mm -hmm. it's okay to feel overwhelmed with all of this because hot damn i'm fucking overwhelmed yeah (laughs) and, and, (laughs) and also like another takeaway is just like don't 
have your child be a teachable moment. Yeah. They're not a teachable moment for anyone. You know, don't, don't look at inclusion in that way. You know, like that's because that's not inclusion. No, you can think about how it may benefit somebody who's not disabled, but that should never be the primary goal. No, exactly. Well, this was a doozy. <laughs> Happy I first know. episode, guys. <laughs> Needless we to did. say, Courtney and I are still lost in the school IEP system. Oh, so, God, yeah. you know, we're we're just working through it all with you guys, too. So, But I will say, if any of our listeners have some, like, excellent <laughs> IEP advice or suggestions, send them our way. Because oh, we're, we're still newbies at this, Yeah, right? like, but... I need all of it. <laughs> I go to bed wanting to cry, but <laughs> way too often, way too, way too often, man. And I also feel like I have way too many IEP meetings in a year. I'm There's like, can so I just many. like, why do I have to have more than one? There's so many. There's so it's so much. Anyways, well, thank you for tuning in, everyone. And again, we're so happy to have you guys here for season two. Thank you so much, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Bitching and Bullishing podcast, where we unpacked our unfiltered opinions and ideas. Be sure to connect with us on social media at Bitching and Bullishing for more unapologetic dissent against the mainstream parenting narrative. And for an extra gritty perspective and ad-free listening, become a Patreon subscriber. You can visit us at www.bitchingandbullishing.com for previous episodes, merch, and more.